0: Today, we want to welcome Dr. Melvin Armstrong, Jr. Dr. Melvin grew up in the housing projects in Bloomington, Illinois. He was able to navigate his way from being a ward of the state that dropped out of high school to later earning a GED and eventually earning a Ph.D. from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Welcome, Dr. Melvin.
1: What's up, Dr. Jackie? What's up, Dr. Dale? Thank y'all for having me. It's exciting to have you on the, on the show today. And we're just going to hop right into our, our first, uh, section, which is always the community capital section, uh, where we, okay, get, we go, went to, uh, a black professional's journey, their best practices, right? And so, you know, just from, from the, the intro, we know that you went from, you know, being a ward of the state, you know, part of that foster care system, uh to mm-hmm. earning your e d and, and a PhD, you know, I, I want to hear about all the things that happened in between there right. Um, right. And, and, and what you earned um, in that process. So we'll kick it off and uh start with that.
2: I tell students often um, that what I'm about is for you being able to take social and cultural capital and make it actual capital. And so that I was in the actual dropout, I like to put the fact is uh, I was a force out in so far as I got into a fight, and they was like, "You can't come back, homeboy." So, <laughs> but to me, what I think that my experience really powerfully um, demonstrates the extent to which bodies like ours, um, and, 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 and let's put it be to be clear, black bodies are judged differentially than this. So, like my experience, I went from one day. Being the student body president of my high school, um, as a freshman, mind you, um, National Honor Society, um, on track, I think at the time in which I was kicked out of high school, I was like the number two uh, in terms of grade point average. So on track to be, I think that's the salutatorian or whatever. Um, And so got into a fight. And all of that went out the window, right? So for me, that's powerful insofar as that that's how differently our bodies are judged or mm-hmm. our bodies um, are judged in the educational system. The other thing that is very interesting for me is that though I was on track to be a salutator, though I had been in honor roll ever since the time I was in first grade all the way up through school, um, no one in ever talked to us explicitly about college. There are sometimes I feel like I become the excuse by which folks use to critique other folks. so you know I think I think a lot of times you know all three of us can attest to the fact that there are times where folks are like, well, Dr. Vio did it, Dr. Jackie did it, Dr. Mel did it, so that you though you. Though your work and though you describe struggle or the extent to which you couldn't be you absent this large network of help or whatever, you become the very reason why folks critique our group, right? So folks will look at my story and say, this dude, foster care, got a GED." went on to go to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, got a Ph.D. in philosophy. So what's your excuse, right? And so for me, sometimes I like to push back on that narrative um, and to talk about the extent to which that we have to look at the systematic things that are barriers to entry or access from junk so that folks hear about my 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 story or whatever.
1: But so I think that's interesting, right? I think uh one of the biggest nuggets that I, that I'm still chewing on, right, is uh the success as a barrier, right, right. to to the success of others, right? It's a right. Exactly. It's, almost, it's almost an oxymoron that that because uh you have found a pathway for yourself, uh, it almost becomes uh, uh, a roadmap or a blueprint for others, right. um, while they still have to overcome their own challenges. Getting the getting the degrees that you did get, right? Mm-hmm. How did you How did you want to to use those degrees for the benefit of others? I think that um, you know a lot of times we we're asking about people's research and things like that, but I mm-hmm. think you know e- even from the narrative that you just said. Um, your focus has been how can I use my experience and my story to more positively impact the system? Um how have you, have you done those things, you know, either in your current profession or, or in the, in the things that you've studied?
2: Well, I think that uh, that's a really great question, y'all. And I think that y'all can relate to what I'm about to say because I think for me, the best compliment that I ever get from students or folks that I get, uh, is it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but it's actually one of those things that comes from a good place. Um, and it relates to my view of mentorship. What the compliment is that there are students who tell me they'll say, you know, Dr. Armstrong, if you got a PhD, I know I can get one, right? Um, and so when, when when folks used to tell me that, i have been like, well, what does that say about me? Does it but now, as I've been able to step back and think about that, and I think to a certain extent, you have all gotten that as well. But what that means is that the person who is saying that is actually saying that they see enough of themselves in you that now it becomes a tangible possibility mm-hmm. um, in a way that it didn't exist before. And so, you know, the great Marian Wright Elman always says that we can't be anything that we can't see. You know, and, you know, Reverend Jeremiah Wright often said, That, but at the point in which you see something, it becomes a tangible possibility, uh, in a way that it didn't before. What I like to say that I'm also big into the dichotomous nature of mentorship. Because what oftentimes people forget is that mentorship isn't just the would-be mentee seeking out and finding someone to mentor them. Mentorship is also the obligation that the would-be mentor has to the would-be mentee insofar as sometimes it's like, do I see enough of myself or enough potential or enough ability in you to invest this time, right? And so I'm really big on that, on that aspect of it, is to say that For me, I think that's the best compliment that I ever get um, is that because of me being who I am, students now see the possibility of getting a Ph.D. or going to grad school as a tangible thing in a way that they didn't see it before.
0: So you just talked about mentorship. So my experience with college counselors were – they all said, make sure that you go to a four-year college. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter which one. We just need all of y'all to go. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. So I get into three colleges, right, because I applied to three. I got into three. And I, you know, I see this UC Berkeley acceptance letter. I'm like, that's cool. I'm going to Long Beach State. Like, I didn't know You're the right. difference, right? right like right. Right. <laughs> And, I mean, you know, Long Beach State – Would have been great and so does San Diego State right Um, Mm -hmm. And Berkeley it did end up being Great because at that moment I ended up learning that there was A difference between
1: Four year Mm -hmm.
0: university so I just wanted Mm -hmm. to get a little bit of your opinion on You know when you Are talking to kids Who Or talking to people who are going to be Mentoring you know Mm -hmm. kids who Are you know in K through 12 who, like me, you know, I grew up in South Central and, you know, wasn't the most advantageous place in yeah. terms of, you know, prepping kids for college. So, like, okay. what what needs to be happening there that isn't happening? Because telling right. kids that they are not, you know, college material when they got into the college is trash. And right. then uh also just go to any four-year because we just need y'all to have four-year degrees. Better, but not necessarily... Probably missing the mark,
2: right? Well, no, I, and Doctor Jack, that, that's a fantastic question, and, and I think that you know it's not an either-or; it's a both-and, right? Um, and so, w- what I'm not about, I think, for me, is like I'm not about empowering the dream killers, right? And I don't think you all, or nor Doctor Vio is about empowering dream killers. I think for me, what my story is indicative of is the extent to which so much of the ideas or the paths that can be presented to you are dependent largely on circumstances that are outside of your program, right? So that if I think you're this type, I can present this type of information to you. Um, So with even some of the high school students that I work today Many of our high school students that I work with today is are the folks who will say, well, I just want to go to a four-year college, right? And I'm like, well, why is it that you want to go to a four-year college? And some of the things that I do is as a person who himself went through, because of my educational circumstances, I went to a community college, transferred to Illinois, did my undergrad, and then Going on to get my PhD from the University of Illinois. I know that there are multiple paths to uh, what we call this thing, is success. And I just want multiple things to be open for you. I think you in some way got really good advice, whether that was from your guidance counselor, somebody saying, you know what, Jackie, of these three schools, this one because it's Berkeley um, and because, you know, Berkeley is perceived and in many ways is is the best public uh, university in our nation, that that was right for them to tell you to go there, right? Um, But my thing, what I think that where I'm coming from, the, the perspective is not necessarily even in that advice, but in the extent to which. That whatever device is given, if it's given out of a way of wanting the kids to succeed, there are multiple paths to that.
1: So, I want to jump in here really quickly. I know you, you uh, you've been dropping some nuggets and I'm already taking notes. Yep. And I, and I, and I gotta make sure that the folks know who, who, who they're taking notes, uh, from, right? We, you know, some, some of this is all about titles and names and all right. that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah exactly. uh, but, if we backtrack just a little bit, tell us, tell us what you're doing now. Okay.
2: What's, what your role is. I'm the executive director of the Steve Creek College Initiative. And what we do now is an organization that me and a couple of colleagues from Cal State LA founded. And the reason why we founded this organization is that what we found was that in some ways, if we waited to interact with students when they got to us on the college campus, Um, It was a situation where we could help that one student, but we may not have been able to have the the scalable impact that we we wanted. Um, And so in terms of the programming that we do right now, a large percentage of our programming is concerned with introducing black and brown kids um, to career areas that they wouldn't have known otherwise. So, Um, We work with a couple of private equity firms um, who have agreed to basically, upon the completion of our program, they'll hire our kids. Um, They'll hire our scholars. And and so why is that important? Well, it's important because like the most affluent African-American, a a man named Robert Smith, um, is a private equity guy, right? um, you know, Vista Equity Partners, he started a private equity firm. And so what we have now is, you know, students who come from uh backgrounds that they would never hear of this, who are now possibly on their way to this type of stuff. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm still doing some uh consulting work. Um and I'm also kind of at a I wouldn't say a crossroads, but in the form of transition because, uh, next year, uh, interesting enough, uh, as someone who's always been interested in film and all that stuff, I got a couple of acceptance to film schools here in Southern California. Um, so I'll be doing film school next year.
0: You just told us what you do, right? You're the executive right. director of, um, I think it's pre-college, um, yes. initiative, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. How'd you get there? Because, you know, people are hearing you like, oh, Dr. Melvin, right? He right. does these things. How did you – how how did that happen, right? We always want our listeners to be able to envision, you know, what our path was um, before we got these, you know, awesome titles.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that's why, uh, to your path, and even why me and a, a collaborator, uh, we actually – we have a literary agent from Shopping. Um, our book project now, and our book is called uh, Hidden Scripts Demystifying the Barriers to Success. And so uh, that's a book that's co-written between me um, and a progressive white brother named Paul Ryan. Um, and we grew up uh, as, as diametrically opposed in terms of growing up as you can be. Um, he's a dude who did his MBA ads Wharton School went to Princeton undergrad, and as we, you know, we were cigar buddies, at first, and as we smoked the cigars, drinking that drink, and started talking about these things, one of the things that became clear to me is, is that how coming from his background, he had this path where he almost had a script that he could read from. And, you know, I know y'all uh, will appreciate kind of the uh, heuristic device. And so what we basically tried to do in that book is to bring forth those hidden scripts or those narratives or those things that lead to success. Um, so for me, I think that the biggest thing that um, I have prided myself on or what I've gotten advice to do um, is, like when students ask me really what I want to help them do um, or what I pride myself on being is I pride myself on being a person who helps people be in position to be in position, right? Um, and so people will say, well, what do you mean by that, Dr. Mel? Be in position to be in position. And I, one of the things that I really love about the, the project that you folks do, Dr. Jackie and Dr. Dio, um, is wanting to, uh, to get us to see that we come from a proud tradition of, what I like to say about black folks, I, I like to say, we got this tradition of what I, say, I like to call the ghetto geniusness or ingenuity. And so mm-hmm. when you come from a community like we come from in history, like we come from of basically being given lemons, you turned it to lemonade, of giving, you know, the scraps and being able to turn it into that, coming from that tradition, it's something that's always been powerful for me. And so the steps that I've always taken, and, I, and what I often tell students, is to take, because I'm really a big follower of folks who have done what I want to do, right? Um, one of the things that we talked about in one of the games that I've often given to students is when I was at Cal State LA, so many of our students would work, like 20 to 40 hours a week. And they would often say, you know, Dr. Armstrong, well, my boss invited me to a party that they having at the crib on Saturday. Should I go? And I was like, yeah, you need to go. And they was like, well, why do I need to go? I don't really mess with them like that. Or the, the reason why you need to go is, even though you don't mess with them like that, conversations that you want to have with them about that position that's about to open up ain't gonna never happen in the office. But they will happen at that party. So that's what we call, and so that goes back to what I'm saying, being in a position to be in a position, right? Because that we know being in the position is being at that party. But being in the position to be at that party, is you gotta first know, you gotta be at that party, right? Right? One of the things that I would always tell students, and I think that all of us here who have those letters behind them appreciate, if you ain't got a doctorate, you can't tell me about getting a doctorate, right? Because you don't know, right? But if you wanted, what I tell students, if you want to get one, because I know, you now know, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really where I think that I've been able to find mentorship Is that I am really jealous? I'm a jealous seeker.
1: -hmm. So so I think that that um, that actually kind of aligns with one of the questions that I was thinking about. Is you know what what is the what is the role of a community based organization or even individuals within the community? You know, as it relates to to mentorship and 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 seeing scraps as resources, right and and resources as resources as it relates to, you know, mentorship, student support, those type of things. What What's your perspective on that?
2: Well, I think that it just is, it's not an either or, it's a both and. I think for me, you know, like all of us, I think we have to just be champions in our own role. And so my role now as someone who runs a non-profit, is different than it was when I was a college professor. Uh, but both of those roles are still aligned to who I am, what makes me me, and ultimately being concerned about giving the game that I never got. And I think that we can do that no matter where we are. Um, you know, that doesn't matter if you're a college, a student-facing college professor. Um, that doesn't matter if you're in the career center, if you are working with faculty. What I do think, though, and maybe this is an underlying thing of your question, Dr. Deal, that I really love, is I do think that there is a way by which all of us who care about our kids' success need to stop being in our silos and need to work with each other in a way. And so how I see this now is, you know, I've tried to be a person who, everywhere where our students go, there are like four universities that our students primarily go to, um, I can call someone there and basically kind of hand them off or let them know that this is who got you here. Um, And so hopefully that answers your question, because I think that where I see the role of community-based organizations is to be bridges and connectors to resources. Um, Sometimes in our communities, I think we have to get away from the the, the perspective of... A lot of times in our communities, we think that we need to have a million Mm dollars to solve particular problems, but we don't necessarily need to have a million dollars. What we need to have is access to a million dollars, right? So, So that basically... Dr Deal, I think that um, I see my role now as being a connector of resources
1: um and, and as we wrap up you know you you led into uh, one of the questions that we always ask but uh, we always ask about uh, we, we ask about that that network right mm-hmm. so you know are there any professional organizations or, or community-based organizations that that you find your, yourself participating in in order to get some of uh, these initiatives and these ideas across.
2: Well, I think that for me, um, two of the most influential organizations that really helped me do it, there was an organization that we had uh, on the campus of UIUC that we called, it was a group of about like 20 of us graduate students, and we called it Team PhD, right? Um, and what 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 the group was it was basically you know, Dr. Cornell West uh, said powerfully one time is that the most serious thing or the most wonderful gift that we can give to any individual person as humans is to take their ideas seriously. And so our group of folks two phd there's about 20 of us and we're all still in contact today. Um, I'm proud to say that all two members of that group we've all got our PhDs too. Um, so we created that organization. Um, and it was just not nothing that the professors came up with. It was just a bunch of us giving around us to say, what we really need is to be able to um, you know, study together. Um we all put together mock dissertations, like even in the in fact of my own dissertation with this, um, you know, I actually did four defenses before I actually did my real defense because we would set that up. Like we would set up mock defenses. And you know how and, and you know, so that group was powerful. The members of Team PhD uh was very powerful. Um and I think for me also in terms of another organization that has really um, you know been powerful. Um for, for me is uh, growing up, and even as I moved from Illinois to uh, California, has been my church. Um, and because those are folks who, you know, really push me on. who, I mean, I'm a person that anytime I submit a grant, you know, I got prayer warriors praying for the grant to NIH, to NIH you know what I'm saying? Or, uh, <laughs> Stuff like that. So those have been, you know, you know, you know, get you prayer cards talking about let the private equity firm, you know, fund Dr. Armstrong's pro- program for another two years, yeah. for another two years. So those two have been the the, the biggest ones, as um, far as far as that goes.
1: You know, it, it, it's so it's so interesting to see how many similarities are as everybody goes through there. Uh, academic journey that you you get to a point where you're sitting at the table by yourself and you're like, look, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I can't
0: do this by myself. Right, know that, know that, know that. <laughs> now
1: somebody else that's struggling and we can just struggle at the same table.
0: That's super true. As I, I definitely wrote almost all of my dissertation on DL's a, a kitchen table.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go.
2: Right. There you go. And, and how powerful it is to have that support, um you know, and, and to do that stuff
1: but we definitely want to uh thank you for being on the show today I appreciate uh, you know i'm really excited to make sure that people take to heart you know being in position right. to be in position for your success i think that that's something that right. you know no matter what what role uh or what part of your career or personal personal life that you're in that you can take with you
2: our stuff may not look like other folks stuff but that's because Folks did come through the same circumstances that we came through. But it's like, you know, Tupac Shakur, you know, he uses the holistic device, the rose that concrete, he said, you know, oftentimes we judge that rose based on other roses, But we don't judge it on the fact that, you know what, you grew out of concrete. (laughs) And so what I tell my students is I was like, if you're in the game and you end up on second base, but you started outside the stadium, That's amazing.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. Make sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review. Continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap, and share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated and rise together.
0: Black Social Capital.